back to On the Block with Strick and Nate on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back to On the Bach. That's right. <laughs> yes, you heard that correctly. <laughs> On the Bach. No strict throughout this week. We might sprinkle in here and there, but he's got things to do. He's he's making deals. That's what we'll say. Strick's always making some type of deal. He's over having a little sabbatical in New York. But we got Jake Vogelman from the Ticket Water Cooler. He's stepping in all week long. We appreciate him as always. 402-464-568-500. Lincoln Hotline, Starter Hammond Text Line. As always, you can reach us at either of those ways. You can either call us, you can text us. You can also check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. If you head over to YouTube, make sure to give us a like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Our goal is now 3,000. We appreciate all of you for hitting 2,000, but we are not done yet. Total takeover of YouTube. We want 3,000, and we'll bring in one of our most favorite subscribers. Actually, no, everyone's our favorite subscriber, but we'll bring in Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. What's going on? What's up, guys? Yeah, you, you talk about your push. I feel like uh, you guys are like uh, the YouTube version of Aaron Judge pushing for this oh. record. You know, live <laughs> look-ins and updates, and this is good. This is exciting. It is exciting, but hopefully we're not like Aaron Judge because it seems like he's stalling a little bit at 60. So we don't want to stall at 2,000. We're pushing for that 65. Or I don't even know what his goal is. That's right. Point. We I mean, don't want to be like Aaron Judge. No, we don't. <laughs> well, I guess. To this point, it's been great to be Aaron Judge, but now yeah. it looks like he's stalled a bit. Again, Evan uh, Bland, Omaha World Herald, covers football and baseball for them. Uh, Evan, first thing i got to ask you, me and Bach are going to dive into it a little bit more. Talk about the sellout streak. I think it's kind of at the top of everyone's mind because yesterday Trev Alberts made it clear that the sellout streak against Indiana, it will continue. So what are your thoughts on the sellout streak as it currently stands? Well, yeah, I mean, it was in doubt up until, you know, like you said, Trev announced it. But I think even a week ago, I think it was last week, he said there were still about 1,000 seats left. So... Um, you know, it it's an interesting topic because what they have done with the red carpet experience, I think, has been a real positive in, in getting underserved youth and their families a chance to come to a game and, and be part of the excitement. Um, you know, when Nebraska was really good, uh, sometimes folks like that couldn't get into the yeah. gates unless it was the yeah. spring game. So in that sense, it's been I think they've turned what's been, you know, sort of a tough time for the program into a positive. On the other hand, you know, I think you can you can certainly make the argument that the the authenticity or the spirit, I suppose, of the sellout streak right. has been gone for a number of years. I mean, you look at you look at the scanned ticket numbers even going back to, you know, 2016-2017, it becomes pretty clear that while those tickets were purchased and those seats were paid for, there were not people uh, always in those seats and so it, it's kind of a tough spot um you know I, i've heard from a number of people who kind of hope that the streak ends at some point just because of that because it's not really um you know authentic again in the sense that the stadium is full it's not representative uh to the excitement level that's going on there but at the same time i mean you go into their practice facility at the hawks and they have it plastered up mm-hmm. on the wall um sellout street dating back to 1962 and yeah you know, they're, they're going to, I think, in the next couple of years, hit 400 if things continue on as they are. It's a streak that won't, I don't think, won't ever be topped 
Um, but it's something that a lot of people don't want to let go of either. So ultimately it's, it's, it's a sort of a, I think a divisive topic because that streak was born out of the success. It was a natural outflow of the success, uh, you know, that the, the program started having in the sixties when they won the titles in the seventies and then Tom Osborne took over. It, It was reflective of the excitement and the success that the program was having and, uh, you know, obviously the last 10 years, 20 years, um, as the program has gone into decline, the sellout streak has remained, but I, I think it's just a different, um, you know, it, it's a different sort of reflection on the program. Now it's more about maybe the loyalty of the fan base, the, the intense nature with which uh, people follow the program. And, um, you know, again, I, I wouldn't be incredibly sad to see it go just because I think, uh, in some ways, this program could stand to sort of reset some things and not have to worry about sort of the burdens of, of the past. Um, but at the same time, it is cool to see people that care about it stepping up and, and ensuring that it continues. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it really does go both ways, and I feel like it's kind of a polarizing topic at this point in time. Are you pro-solid streak or are you anti-solid streak? Uh, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, joining us right now. Evan, I, I saw this stat today, and I'm not entirely sure how they create this stat or, or what numbers they use to find it, but it looks like Indiana has the number one pace of offense in the country. Um, with that being said, what do you think that means for this black shirt defense that, to be quite honest with you, hasn't looked good against really any offense? So now they're going to go against one that's a very high tempo, runs a lot of plays. What do you think that means for Nebraska this upcoming Saturday? Well, I think it means that they're going to be tested uh, in ways that they haven't really done all that well in through four games i mean it's interesting because you're right about the tempo piece and then you look at the fact that nobody in the country right now is averaging more passes per game than indiana i think they're the only fbs school at uh, 50 or more so you're going to see a lot of passes but what you don't necessarily see is a lot of explosive plays i think despite all those passes they're right on the fringe of the top 25 and passing yards per game you you kind of break it down a little bit they don't have a ton of explosive plays so what that tells you is they're real happy with a lot of the short stuff maybe some intermediate stuff they're good at getting a variety of players in space and then allowing those players to to do what they do and so if you're nebraska the challenge is going to be to be fundamentally sound know what your assignments are and then make the stop because they're they're going to be put in some situations where uh, there might be a, a catch, a player's going to make a catch, and if you're the first man there, it might be a three-yard gain, but if you miss your tackle, that turns into 10 or 15 or, or whatever else. Yeah. And so I, I think it's a really interesting test for Nebraska's defense, especially now with the new defensive coordinator in Bill Bush, who has, has spoken today and, and Mickey Joseph earlier this week about simplifying calls, about uh, you know locking down on the details, gap integrity, assignments, all this stuff, Indiana is a really interesting uh, first challenge for that because, um, you know, again, on paper, their talent level is, I would not, I would say it is not superior to Nebraska's. It's similar. And so when you have similar talent like that, uh, again, it comes down to the little things. And those are the things that have given Nebraska problems for a long time. So I think it's a really interesting gauge to see what kind of progress they've made now with a new coordinator after a bye. 
All right, it's fascinating. This this whole experiment is going to be with Mickey Joseph yeah. basically trying out to be the Nebraska head coach. Uh, as we looked at the schedule, Indiana and Rutgers look. I mean, Nebraska's nowhere close to being able to roll the helmet out there and get the win, but uh, they look like the most gettable games on the schedule. What do you think Mickey Joseph's chances are of getting this head coaching job with a win against Indiana versus a loss to Indiana? Well, I think you look at the schedule the rest of the way, and and Indiana and Rutgers, I would put them in there too, are those most gettable games, like you said. And if you if you get rolled by Indiana, if they score 50 on you and, and the fourth quarter is not competitive, it's hard to sort of sell this notion that things can change midstream at Rutgers and then with Purdue and then things really ramp up in the, in the month of November too um, with Iowa and Michigan and the like. So I, I think, you know, Mickey talked about it this week, the importance of winning, just get some confidence going. Yes. and. This is the time to do that. Coming out of a bye, uh, you want to wash kind of that taste of Oklahoma out of your mouth a little bit. Um, be competitive. Again, like Indiana, they, they have a pretty good offense statistically, but their defense is nothing special either. So this is a team that Nebraska can score on. I think they can move the ball on them. And, you know, I, one of my keys to this game is I was kind of breaking down these teams is as similar as they are in offense and as much as they both struggled on defense – one thing Nebraska has been able to do better than them than Indiana is finish in the red zone. Their their uh, you know touchdown percentage once they, once they get inside the the twenty five is a whole lot higher than Indiana. So I, I think in a game that's going to have a lot of points, a lot of passes on Saturday night, whoever finishes those drives better, you know touchdowns instead of field goals is going to win this thing. And, and to this point, for all the struggles that Nebraska's had and all these other facets of the game, one area they've been pretty good in is when they get down there they've been able to punch it in. Uh, Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald, joining us. Evan, this question honestly just came to my mind, and I don't know if there's really an answer, if there's really an analysis, but we've seen Nebraska at home this year play in the morning against Oklahoma and a night game against Georgia Southern. Do you think really the game time has any type of influence on this team? I mean, I think probably it maybe gets the fans more engaged. You get to see a light show, keeps them around until the third quarter. But does that have any type of impact actually on the field? Uh, I wouldn't think so. Not necessarily. I mean, Mickey Joseph talked about that this week too. Football's football. Right. I know um, Scott Frost and, and some of his staff in the past would have said that they preferred the morning games. Right. Uh, one, because that's when they practice and it, and it sort of is more natural with the body clock, but also because then they were able to stay in the stadium into the evening, into the night and start preparing for the next opponent. So they felt like they had right. from a coach's perspective, a little bit more time to work on things. But, you know, I, I think from, from a player's side, you're, you're going to be amped up regardless. Certainly from a fan's perspective, they probably would prefer the night game, more of a chance to tailgate and, and get ramped up. And, and like you mentioned, right. the light show has become a really yeah, popular yeah. thing the last couple of years too. Um, but, you know, I, I think I will say, too, that, like, for all the Nebraska's struggles and, and the, the games that they've lost at home, Memorial Stadium is still uh, a formidable place to play on the road. It's still, yeah. I think, worth a few points. I think a study was done a handful of years ago that some of college football's tougher venues are worth anywhere from, like, three to five points that can swing a game one way or the other. So I think Memorial Stadium at night still can be an advantage for Nebraska, for all those reasons that we laid out, and um, you know, again, if you're if you're going to draw any kind of hope 
going into the home stretch of the season or into the second half, this is a game that at the very least you need to be competitive in, one that you can build on and not sort of bemoan. Um, and, and so if you're going to have this thing at night at home, that's probably your best chance to make an impression. And Evan, earlier in the week, they, they did have a little bit of changes on the depth chart, not too much, but do you expect with the, with this bye week, uh, obviously change of defensive coordinator, that things will, will visibly look different with this team, or do you think it, it's, it's mostly the same thing and, and just trying to improve? Well, yeah, the depth chart changes were, were interesting. I mean, on the offensive side, first of all, it was, it was really just sort of uh, reactionary to injuries mm-hmm. with Teddy Prohaska being out, and so you, you move a few pieces around. But the defensive side, to me, was interesting because a lot of the moves that were made were sort of on that second line. Like, I don't, I don't know that the depth chart reflected any starter uh, changes to the starters, but sort of that next group of guys in. So I would anticipate we'll see Omar Brown in the nickel spot behind Isaac Gifford, which is new and kind of interesting. Um, some of the, the, the secondary in particular had some reshuffling. Deshaun Singleton moved up to um, a backup at one spot. You had uh, uh, Brandon Moore at one of the corner spots kind of move up into a second spot on his own. Phelan Stanford sort of occupies a little bit of a more prominent spot. So I think the problems or, or sort of the concerns with the secondary are still there. They've really relied on heavily on their starters to this point, and when their starters haven't been in, have been, have been when we've seen uh, some pretty big busts that have played out and, and uh, some touchdowns for the other side for the opponent. So, you know, I think that concern is still valid, but it does show that uh, with a new decision maker at the top in Mickey Joseph, with a new coordinator that they are looking at everybody. I think Malcolm Hartzog is another good example of someone Mickey Joseph mentioned, true freshman, who uh, they said will probably get some time, who deserves to see some time at one of the other corner spots. So Indiana, again, is a really interesting uh, case study for this now because of uh, how much they're going to test Nebraska's secondary. And if nothing else, uh, when someone's throwing 50 passes on you, if they're going to run 80 to 90 plays in the game, you're going to need some depth. You don't want your starters out there for the entirety of that. So it'll be, I think, fascinating to see how some of those younger players respond uh, and if those changes maybe can stick and generate some positive momentum moving forward. Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Evan, I know you're a busy man. We'll go ahead and let you go. But real quick, I wanted to make sure we mentioned baseball. They recently had an exhibition. What are some of your takeaways there from that from that first matchup? Well, first of all, I think 14 innings for an exhibition, that, that'll test you. Yeah. That's, uh, oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a lot of baseball out there. But, no, it was good. It was uh, you know a great day out in Omaha. They played UNO and – just a lot of new faces. I mean, yeah. I think what from the exhibition uh, on its face, I mean, you, you you give up just one run in 14 innings to a pretty good hitting team mm-hmm. in the Mavericks on the other side who were fully healthy. So uh, the depth of pitching, I think, at least in that one outing was encouraging. Uh, Jace Kaminska, the Wichita State transfer, looked really good. Uh, I think he's he's definitely trending toward being a weekend starter. Moving forward, um, a number of, of players who are either new to the team or uh, sort of going to have new roles with the team. Uh, Chandler Benson was one. Will Walsh, who was on the team but was hurt last year. Austin Bergren, you can kind of go down the list. They, yeah. they threw a n- number of players out there who, uh, you know, at least on, uh, on this first chance, showed that they could be trusted in some high-leverage spots. And then, um, you know, offensively, I thought – the guy who really sort of announced himself was Dylan Carey, true freshman 
from Colorado. He hit in the three hole, started at third base, looked really slick, had a couple of hits. Um, that's somebody, if you're talking about true freshmen, uh, who could maybe make a quick impact. I think he would be high on that list. And then they remade the outfield too. And what we saw Saturday uh, was a pretty good defensive outfield. We saw uh, Casey Burnham, who was a Kansas transfer, made a great play in right center to, to rob an extra base from a play, uh, from a hitter. Um, and then they had a couple other outfield transfers, Cole Evans and Caden Brumbaugh, who uh, got the start and, and looked pretty impressive at the plate too. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. We talk a lot about the impact of the transfer portal in other sports. Um, certainly baseball is going to be as extreme as any of those. You know, you're talking about more than half your roster being remade. Um, I think it's 25 newcomers and 21 holdovers right now. So uh, still very much a work in progress, but it was kind of cool to see those guys get out there and take that first step in a Husker uniform against another opponent, kind of showing each other what they can do. Evan, football is king. We know that you have great coverage of that, but say Husker fans get a little bit upset. They get a little sad. They need some optimism about baseball this off season. How can they find great content from you? <laughs> yeah, it's at uh, Omaha.com or, or my Twitter handle, uh, at Evan Bland, O-W-H. Had some baseball takeaways yeah. last weekend. I imagine that'll go pretty quiet here uh, for, for a little bit of the stretch run here um, for a while with football rolling along, but uh, have have a number of I think interesting features that folks will enjoy reading down the road, not just myself, but uh, my colleagues as well. A lot of really um, good stuff from, from everybody, both at the press conferences. And we try to think outside the box and talk to some folks that uh, maybe aren't up at the podium every day too. So hopefully folks enjoy that, but uh, we're going to keep pushing it out. Evan, we appreciate you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Awesome. There he goes. Evan Bland, one of the best in the business to do it. Giving us a little baseball insight because as Nebraska fans, we might be a little bit upset, but I feel good about that baseball team. I'm already drinking the Kool-Aid. Don't worry. It's never too early to drink Husker baseball Kool-Aid, especially with Will Bolt as the head coach. We got to get to shootout with Bach. Your chance to win $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings. All you got to do is call 402-464-5685. That's the Honda, Honda of Lincoln hotline. We want to hear from you, and I'll give a little bit the hint what the category is one of box kryptonites you got a good chance of winning today Uh give us a call 402-464-5685 we'll catch you on the other side right here on the block